Good morning, everybody. What a special day to be here at Christ Church. It's so great to be here together with you to worship God. And uh, I know we've got a huge group out at the Carolina Christian Youth Conference today. I think there's over 50 of our people, uh, teenagers and sponsors. And of course, Cruz is leading worship over there and Lance is there with the youth. So we want to continue to pray for them and pray for their safe return today. But it's also a special day because somebody's here today that hadn't been here in a while. And uh, my sister Elaine is sitting in the back. Wait, wave at them, Elaine. Just give them a little wave. Uh, as most of you know, yes, give her, praise, praise God, praise God. Most, most of y'all know that for 55 days, she and Ben have been up in Rhode Island, and uh, that's where she had to go for her cancer surgeries. Uh, and she's had uh, some setbacks along the way and rehab and I had to have another little surgery after that, but you know, if, if you've been keeping up, you, you know the story. A couple of steps forward, a step back here, and but boy, it's good to have them home again. And I know she's still got a, a ways to go with some other treatments, but um, we continue to pray for that, and uh, we certainly thank you all for your prayers. Our family is so appreciative of all of that. And you can imagine that my mom is thrilled, you know, and uh, mom is home, of course, today, and we're going to be able to go out and have lunch together as a family for the first time in almost two months. So uh, thankful for all of that. Uh, added to that, and I'm not going to point him out because I don't want to get in trouble. This guy could really put a hurting on me if I did. But uh, uh, a good friend of mine from high school is here today. We played football together for the Ahosky Cougars. Uh, his dad, Richard, was one of our offensive line coaches, and he was such a great man. Uh, I had so much respect for him, and uh, Richard passed away a little while ago. But John Murray, it's great to see you, brother. I don't even know where you're sitting out there right now, but uh, it is great to see you, and I'm glad you were able to stop by. He's visiting uh, a college coach that's in the hospital today and, and dropped in. He actually was the real football player between the two of us because <laughs> I probably weighed about 149 pounds soaking wet, um, and I was on the offensive line. Look at that today. I'd, I'd have never made it. But he went on to play at Elon and win two national championships at Elon while he was there. So uh, not only did John and I play football together, but we worked together at a restaurant there in Ahosky. I'm going to come back to that in just a little bit. But um, so, so good to have you, John. I appreciate you, buddy. Uh, we are continuing our series, which started a few weeks ago, called Hot Mess. And how many of you feel like you, you had some things going on this week that felt like a hot mess. Anybody? Anybody here? So we're sort of speaking your language. Uh, this is a common phrase that we hear when it feels like everything is just out of control. Uh, and so far we've talked about our family and our schedules, how easy it is for those things to become a hot mess and it's a reality for all of us here that at some point, in some season of life, there are parts of our lives where we will feel that it's out of control. We, we've got no control over it. 
And that's when we must learn to let God have control. And today we're moving on to another key area of our lives, and that is our jobs. Now, if, if, I, if I talk about your job, would you have a smile on your face or a frown on your face? Don't, don't answer because somebody might see you and they might see. But Matt's question earlier in the communion meditation, do you believe Jesus walks among us? Do you believe that his spirit is here with us everywhere we go? Yes, we would say. Uh, and, and, and this includes our jobs. So when we're at work, He is with us, and we represent Him. I would say that for many people, either their job is a hot mess or their attitude about their job is a hot mess. You know what I'm saying? Uh, I was reading some of the excuses people have for showing up late for work. Has has anybody uh, seen some of those excuses? Um, Is that Kim? Look at you, girl. I didn't even know you were here. <laughs> yes, good to see you, girl. And we, we continue to pray for Nick, who's in the hospital. Um, uh, here's some of those excuses for not showing up to work. My cat had hiccups. How about that? A cat keeps you late for work. I thought I won the lottery. So I, guess, I guess if you won the lottery, no need to show up for work. Uh, I, I don't know, these people must live in the woods or something. A fox stole my car keys. Now, either that is really true or they, they've lost it. I wasn't late. I had a job interview somewhere else. The line was too long at Starbucks. So you got you to gotta have your coffee in the morning. See, I know some of you, that would be a real issue. I was on a Call of Duty mission last night. Now, see, for some of us older people, Call of Duty is a video game. Uh, okay. My car radio was broken, and I can't drive without music. I heard it was going to snow. <laughs> so the school shut down, and your job shut down. My phone was set to another time while I was on vacation, and I forgot to set it back. Now, that could be a real uh, problem. <laughs> This was, these are real things, okay? My dog stole my dentures, (laughs) and I had to chase him through the neighborhood. Now, can you imagine that dog running through the neighborhood with dentures? (laughs) Oh, man. What, What does it say about us when we don't care about our work ethic? What does it say about our faith? And often, when this is our attitude... We find ourselves in a hot mess at work. Now, I also understand that sometimes we might work at a place that is just a hot mess. I I do get that. Maybe it's mismanaged. Maybe most of the employees don't care. I have certainly been in some places where it seemed like the employees wish you weren't there. Have Have you ever been... There, maybe you go to a restaurant and people are like, oh no, more customers, you know. Uh, Customer service isn't what it used to be. Would you agree with that uh, to some degree? I'm not just talking about those who work a nine to five uh, job or serve at church like me. Uh, Instead, I believe the Bible teaches that we're all created to do some type of work, all of which has a similar 
why behind it as well. Now, I think I can prove it to you through a book in the Bible that we visited numerous times throughout this series, and that is the book of Genesis, the very first book of Genesis. And in the first book of the Bible, in the first chapter of the first book, in the first verse of the first chapter of the first book, we read, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. So in that one verse, the very first verse of the Bible, we read a verb used to describe what God was up to. The writer says, God created. He seems to put something into motion here at the very beginning of time. And over the next six days of creation, God provides us with a model to use in our own work. Now, incredibly, he invites human beings like us, imperfect as we are, into the work that he is already doing. And this, my friends, is a crucial point that we must understand when it comes to the jobs you and I have. But we work with a lot of people who, let's be honest, if, if they aren't denying the existence of God, they just don't care about God. They, they don't care about Christ. So it, it's live and let live. They don't see how faith in God has anything to do with a work ethic. Uh, we live in a culture that makes us feel taken advantage of sometimes. And so well, we just see, well, I'm going to take advantage right back. And many people don't want to work. Now, that's been proven since COVID. Many people left the workforce and they're just not going back. We'd rather play or sleep or just have fun. The idea of responsibility has been undermined. And the idea of working in a way to honor God certainly is mocked in some circles. So, yes, we are called to some sort of work. For many, this looks like a nine-to-five job that ends in retirement. But for others, it is the responsibility of being maybe a stay-at-home mom. And, you know, I know that's maybe even harder sometimes than a nine-to-five job. No matter what we're called to, it can often feel like a hot mess, as if nothing is going our way. Now, this week, we dive into what the Bible says about the work we do and our perspective on it and even how to respond in order to keep peace. And this is the big idea for today. And if you don't take anything else home with you, take this home with you. Join with God in the work He is doing, and you will find fulfillment in the work you are doing. Let me say that again. Join with God in the work He is doing, and you will find fulfillment in the work you are doing. Let's pray. Dear Lord, please help us to remember our high calling and divine purpose. Help us to always put your kingdom and your plans above our own. And thank you for inviting us to join you in the work that you're already doing in the world. Open our eyes, open our ears, open our hearts to see what it is you want us to do. And it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. 
Now, the first thing that we need to understand is, and the first encouragement I give to you is, look at your job in this way. Your job is to join God. Your job is to join God. You don't just work for the person who writes your check. Because if you're a Christian, you represent something higher than that. You represent the God of all creation. You represent Jesus Christ, His Son. Now, my first real job was at a steakhouse in a hosky called Jack's. And uh, it's not even there anymore. It's gone, okay? Uh, my friend John and I worked at this place uh, and I started out bussing tables. I, I, I think probably we all started this way. I moved up to washing duty, which uh, I don't know. Do you, do you consider that a move up uh, from bussing the tables to washing the dishes? Um, uh, then uh, I was able to move up to the bake station where you produce the rolls and the baked potatoes out front. They actually let you go out front then and uh, finally made it to cook. Uh, yes, I became a cook at a steakhouse. Um, would you have been one of those complaining to me about those? Um, it was while I was working in the back washing dishes that I learned this valuable lesson about a work ethic. Now, that particular night was a very busy night. Friday nights were always our busiest nights, and the dishwashing machine broke down. You know, why is it that it's always got to be the busiest time when the thing breaks down, right? Uh, now, I am not a very mechanical person, okay? I had no clue how to fix this thing. So our, our manager, David Shields, came in, and he began working on the machine. But those dishes, they kept piling up, piling up. Now, we didn't have an unlimited supply of dishes, I mean, I had to wash dishes so we could use dishes to serve more people. Uh, they had to be clean so we could continue to use them. Plus, it was the late shift, and so if I didn't get this done in an orderly time, I was going to be there all night. I had no desire to stay there after my you know, time to leave. So as the manager, David, was working to get the machine fixed, I started uh, getting the dishes ready to go through the machine. Now, we had these racks where you would, uh, we had a little steel plate in the middle of a plastic uh, thing, and we would have to put these into this, uh, these racks, and then we would send the racks through the machine, and they were, it was really hot in there, and it would clean them up real good. So I start spraying off these dishes that are starting to pile up and I start getting them in the racks and I start piling the racks up while he's doing this work over there. I think by the time he finished, I had like 10 or 12 of these racks ready to go. And so later, uh, maybe at the end of that, when we finally got him going, he, he told me that he appreciated that I had not just stood there and watched as he worked. And he <clears throat> commended me on not just sitting there and twiddling my thumbs while something needed to be done. Uh, he praised me for working as fast as I could to get the racks ready. He saw that as a good work ethic. Now, I didn't, uh, I didn't say to him, man, I just want to get out of here as fast as I can, <laughs> uh, which was probably, there's a, probably a lot of truth in that part of it. But um, although I do believe, I did try to have a good work ethic. I think that was instilled in me by my mother 
and uh, by, my, by my faith. But it did teach me something about a work ethic in that situation. Uh, see, David knew that I was a person of faith. And it made an impact. In fact, uh, later they would offer me a position as a manager after I uh, graduated from high school. But I knew that I was going to Bible college because I had a calling that I had to fulfill. Now, who knows where I would have gone today if I had gone that route of staying as a manager. Could you see the Chef Tim Turner show one day? <laughs> no, I wouldn't see that either. Um, but I realized that I represented Jesus in a way, uh, in the way that I handled myself at work. If I was just doing enough to get by, if I was slack, if I let everybody else handle the workload while I messed around, what would that say about me as a person, but also about me as a person of faith? As a Christian, I should be the best employee and the best employer that somebody has. Y'all hear me? I mean, you can't take the excuse, well, they're horrible people to work with. Look, Jesus had to work with some pretty rough people. Maybe you can relate to that story. Maybe you have struggled to see how God could possibly be using your job to make a difference or an impact. Maybe you experience constant conflict with co-workers and even your superiors. Well, here's what God does just after creating human beings like us. In Genesis 2.15, the Bible says, The Lord God took the man and put him in the Garden of Eden to work it and take care of it. Now, I don't know if you caught that or not. But God first, through the creation of the heavens and earth, puts something in motion. He creates, and this universe is in motion. And then after the creation of mankind, he motions to us. Essentially, God says to people like you and me, I want you to join me in the work that I'm already doing. This creation is in motion. Now you come and work it. Maybe today, this is the very thing you needed to hear. Maybe, maybe you are that stay-at-home mom who's trying to manage three young kids and uh, all of whom have different schedules. I bet there's several of you here today that can empathize with the stress and how much of a hot mess that can become. And if you're honest, sometimes you might lose your patience. Anybody here ever lose their patience? I, I don't want to embarrass anybody. Today we in, be encouraged that God is at work as well. In fact, he's working in each of your children's lives, even when we can't see it. He's working through the countless hours you put in when no one is appreciative. Your job is to join God in his work, becoming a faithful and joyous steward of what he has entrusted you to do day to day. Now, there's a story that I read, and now I'm going to be honest, I don't know if this is a true story or not, but it's a story that's out there that really fits uh, what I wanted to share. But the, the reformer, Martin Luther, the story goes that he was approached by a working man who wanted to know how he could serve God better. 
And Martin Luther asked him, what is your work now? And the man said, I'm a shoemaker. And Martin Luther, much to the shoemaker's surprise, replied, then make good shoes and sell them at a fair price. Luther didn't tell him to make Christian shoes, and he didn't tell the man to leave his shoe business and become a monk. And as Christians, we can faithfully serve God in a variety of vocations and jobs. And we don't need to justify the work in terms of its spiritual value or its evangelistic usefulness. We simply pursue our calling with new God-glorifying motives and goals and standards. So here's the reality. No matter what our job is, doing what we just said is going to be extremely difficult to live out because we run into those hot messes of a day. There are distractions that get in the way. There are endless points of comparison all around us. There are frustrations with co-workers. Nothing ever seems to go as planned. And that can be really draining uh, as well. And this is why we must ask and answer a very important question today, which is our second point. Where do you find fulfillment? When things get really difficult, this is the question we have to go back to. It's really easy to place our identity in the things we do instead of what God says we are. And maybe you notice this from the Genesis account, but let's put it this way. God makes us human beings, not human doings. We are not valuable because of what we do. We are valuable because we were created in the image of God. And though we were made to work in some form or fashion, God desires we receive fulfillment from the work that we do. But we know there are times and seasons in life where we are working for other reasons. And I, I read another story Tim Keller wrote about a guy named Mike. Uh, Mike does his job with enthusiasm and excellence. Mike is one of 15 doormen serving a large Manhattan co-op. His apartment building has about 100 families in it. Now Mike is in his early 60s, but he immigrated to the United States from Croatia as a young man, and he worked in many kinds of jobs, from a restaurant business to manual labor. <clears throat> He's been a doorman in that building for 20 years, and when people talk about him, they just notice his distinctive attitude about work. To Mike, it's far from just a job. He actually cares about the people that live there. He takes pride in helping them unload their things from their vehicles, finding parking spaces, welcoming guests. He sets the standard for keeping the lobby in the front of the building clean and attractive. When asked what makes him drop what he's doing to get to the curb in time to help this family unload, after a weekend away, he responds, that's my job, they needed help. Why does he remember the name of every child? He says, because they live here. And at one point, the question was, but why do you work so hard at every part of this job? And he said, 
I don't know. It's just what I need to be able to do to look at myself in the mirror in the morning. I couldn't live with myself if I didn't try my best every day. He appears to work out of gratefulness for the job and for his life. He's glad to be in this country and for the opportunities it has given him. Most of the people Mike serves are professionals and business people who are probably glad not to be doormen. And some of them might even find the work of a doorman demeaning if they had to do it themselves. But Mike's attitude shows that he recognizes the inherent dignity of the work he is doing, and in this, he brings out its goodness and its worth. And I love that attitude. He wanted to give his best. It, it was more about him being able to look at himself in the mirror than it was what other people thought about him. And it was more than just a job. He took pride in his work. Not a sinful pride. And I do believe that there is a difference between sinful pride and pride in oneself. The sinful pride is the attitude that I'm better than other people. The pride in oneself is the attitude that I want to be the best person I can be. I want my actions and my lifestyle to reflect positively on my family and my faith. Sometimes people work a job just so that they can get the money to do the things that they want to do. It's just a job. So if, if I want a house or a car or a perk in life, I'll work for it. And these things in and of themselves are not bad. But are we expecting to get something from them that they can't fully give us forever. For instance, maybe it's the vacation hours. You know, I, I work there because they give me great vacation hours. Maybe it's the pay that we receive. Maybe it's the ability to work from home. All great things. However, all these things are temporary. They can disappear from the equation in the snap of a finger. And we all know this. The Bible tells us many crucial things, but what's given to us in John 4 is a single statement from Jesus himself, God in the flesh, in regard to where he found his fulfillment. Or, as he says in the verse, his nourishment. In John 4, 34, Jesus said, My food is to do the will of him who sent me and to finish his work. Our nourishment, our fulfillment, we're never meant to come from worldly things or worldly achievements. All the accolades that we receive over the years on our job, they are one day going to fade away. That watch we got at retirement, it's going to stop working. And when we die, it's not going to, well, maybe they'll put it on our arm but it won't matter anymore, will it? So we should place our hope in doing the will of God, those things that will last forever. I believe that time and time again in Scripture, God is reminding us of statements like this from Jesus. Or the statement in John or, or Matthew 9, 37, 
When Jesus said the harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. These statements remind us that there is still so much work to be done to accomplish God's plans and God's purposes. He's calling us to use our gifts and our talents and our jobs and our resources to be involved in His purpose and His plan. What a privilege that is. Whether you work in the medical industry or whether you work in law enforcement or whether you uh, work with, as a janitor or you know, whatever other job you may have, you have to look at it as working to the glory of God. There's one final thing I would like to say to you today when it comes to keeping peace and joy and focus when our jobs are a hot mess. And that is, know that you have been assigned kingdom work. It's one thing to work for God. It's another thing to work with God. And seemingly, simultaneously, God calls us to sort of do both. The truth is that God has already prepared work for all of us to do. There is a plan God has for us. In Ephesians chapter 2, beginning in verse 8, we read this. For it is by grace you have been saved through faith, and this not from yourselves. It is the gift of God, not by works, so that no one can boast. For we are God's handiwork, created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. Now, that is a very interesting scripture. We don't do the work in order to be saved. We join God in the work He is doing that He has prepared in advance for us to do. So God has sort of laid out opportunities for all of us in whatever vocation we may be in that we may be joining Him in the work that he is already doing. What is it that God has prepared for you to do? What good work are you doing now? You may be familiar with the life and ministry of the Apostle Paul throughout the New Testament. He started off as uh, one who was persecuting Christians, but then he had a personal encounter with Jesus, and eventually he, he totally changed. He went on to share the gospel message with thousands of people all around the world uh, as the early church began to expand. Towards the end of his life here on earth, Paul says something profound in the book of Acts about the job he is doing in Acts chapter 20, beginning in verse 22. And now, compelled by the Spirit, I am going to Jerusalem not knowing what will happen to me there. I only know that in every city the Holy Spirit warns me that prison and hardships are facing me. However, I consider my life worth nothing to me. My only aim is to finish the race and complete the task the Lord Jesus has given me. The task of testifying to the good news of God's grace. What a powerful statement. Paul understood when he signed up to follow Jesus, there would be work for him to do 
along the way. And in a similar way, I believe God is still in the business of assigning work for people like you and me, those of us who have surrendered to the call of Jesus Christ. He will give you work to do that aligns with the job that pays you, things that you can intertwine with your nine to five. And ultimately, this work we are assigned is kingdom work. There is a higher purpose behind it. No matter how mundane or boring it may feel at certain times, you are called to be an ambassador of reconciliation in any and all circumstances. Those people you have to work around, those people that you have to serve in whatever area you're in, every one of them God wants to touch, and He can touch them through you. For some of you in the room, this is a good encouragement and reminder to stay the course and remember your high calling. For others, it's a call to begin the journey, to surrender control of your life and willingly choose to follow Jesus. Now, I've shared with you guys in the past about how uh, I, I became a Christian when I was 12 years old at a Christian camp. Uh, the counselor had come and encouraged me to make this decision. Now, I believed in Jesus uh, from the time I was old enough to understand anything, I was brought up in church, and I believed in Jesus, but I never made it a, a real decision. So I made it that year when I was 12. A few years later, during another week of camp, the preacher was preaching about making a decision to give your life in full-time service of God. And it was that year, when I was about 15, 16 years old, um, that I made a decision. Because I felt moved by God's Spirit to make a decision that I was going to serve Him full time. I, I wanted to serve God with my life. I, I went up and made that commitment to follow where God wanted me to go. And God opened every door that he wanted me to go through, and he closed the doors I don't think he wanted me to go through. And I've tried to remain faithful to that commitment. And as I look back on my life, and the, the only things I would change are when I've had a bad attitude about things. <laughs> and I know that's hard for some of y'all to believe, that I would have a bad attitude. Uh, but God has used every situation to bring me to this point. So the invitation of Christ for all of us is much more than to everlasting life. Now that truly is an invitation, that I, that I come and confess my sin to Him, that He forgives me, and I have the hope and the promise of eternal life. But friends, it's also an empowered life here and now. Because when I make that decision to follow Christ, I'm in the kingdom of God. I'm in the work He's already started. And he's given me an opportunity to work with him and for him. All of life should be all for Jesus. Amen? I know there are many different perspectives in the room today regarding work. I know some of you have been working hard. You, you're providing and you're doing good, noble work. It's not what you love, but it's putting food on the table and a roof over your head. There are some in the room who don't even have a job due to some circumstances. 
Or maybe you don't have a traditional job. And so it may seem hard to find where this teaching applies to your life. But remember, you are called to join in with the work God is already doing in the world. And the beauty is that anyone, with or without a traditional vocation, can participate. Find someone who needs encouragement this week. Maybe somebody that works with you. Maybe somebody that, uh, maybe even your boss needs some encouragement. Maybe you could pray for them. Maybe you could be the hands and feet of Jesus as you serve somebody that you come around. Remember that you are God's beloved son and daughter. You are not the essence of what you do. You belong to him. Keep your eyes fixed on Jesus as you run this race of life and make sure that you keep going back to him when you need to find nourishment. Remember when you join God in his work, you are entering into a sacred and holy calling. You are joining in with the plans and the purposes of the kingdom of God. And friends, that is no small thing. And I want to throw out just one extra little thing to you this morning. Everyone uh, won't accept this challenge. And you should not accept this challenge unless you feel called by God. But some of you here today may be sensing the pulling of the Holy Spirit towards serving God in a more full-time capacity. And I'll tell you what you uh, uh, don't need to do. If, if you think this is going to make you rich, don't do it, okay? It's not about becoming rich. You don't need to do this to become well-known or powerful. You do this because you believe God is calling you to something that is greater than yourself. It's a higher calling than money and position and prestige. And if you feel the call of God, I'd love to talk with you. I'd love to pray with you. And I would bet that some here have sensed that calling. Maybe you have been hesitant for some reason. Maybe you think you aren't worthy. Well, let me give you a clue. None of us are. As you read the Bible and you see all the people who serve God, every single one of them had flaws. Because there's only been one that's been perfect, and that's Jesus Christ. And yet they faithfully responded to God's urging of their spirit. All of life is all for Him. Every vocation, every calling, all of it. Remember, you're a human being, not a human doing. And if you will join with God in the work He is doing, you will find fulfillment in the work that you're doing. Father, we thank you for the opportunities that you have afforded to us to work and to make a living for our families, to provide food and shelter. We thank you for that, Father. But even more, we thank you for this opportunity that you give us to join with you in the work that you are already doing. And so, Father, we come to you and we ask you to open our eyes. Help us to see how we can join you in your work, even as we do the work that pays the bills. 
How can we make a difference for our coworkers? How can we make a business uh, or a difference for our boss? How can we make a difference for people that we serve? Maybe they are the reason that you have us working where we are. Help us to view our jobs with a higher purpose in mind. Help us instill that good work ethic within our children and our grandchildren. And it's in the name of Jesus we pray. Amen.